Awesome. Well, I am so excited to be here as well. Let's give it up for your pastors, Pastor Daniel Gresham. Come on. They are awesome. I don't know if you know this or not, but they love you, um, and they have sacrificed a ton uh, for you and for this city and for this house, and it's just such an honor just to be in their lives as well, too. And so um, so don't take your pastors for granted. Love on them. Like, show them that. Encourage them, you know. Um, try not to be the person that's, like, um, you know, emailing and grumbling about every little thing, you know, because um, they got enough on them as it is. And the same thing with the staff as well, too. And uh, uh, but love on your pastors because they they need that more so than you know. Don't we all just need some encouragement, right? Like like I don't think anybody's ever like, will you please stop encouraging me? <laughs> like like it's just enough, you, you know? Like like it's just enough. No, it's like we're bombarded by all of these other things, right? And we need some encouragement. And so just decide to be that person tomorrow when you go into the workplace. How about that? Be, 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 be that person when you walk into this campus and when you walk into the grocery store, you go, I'm going to be a life-giving person because I know the giver of life. His name is Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, man, I'm so excited to be here and, and speak to you guys today. And I want to show you a picture of my family right up here. This is my family. That's a uh, Mabry girl in the middle. She's two and a half. And then I've got Brooks that's almost five and Landry that's almost seven. They have the exact same birthday, two years apart. I have no idea how that happened, but it just did. My two boys. So they're going to be seven and five and they are awesome. And, um, but here's something that you don't know about this picture. Cause this picture is like a typical, it's a mother's day picture at our church. And, and you know, we got the cool little background and all that kind of stuff. And everybody's like, Oh, it's so happy. It's so amazing. Look at them. They're just the most happy family in the whole entire world. But what you wouldn't know is that in that picture right there, that I am dealing with one of the hardest times of my whole entire life. Because in April, I got back from a mission trip to Ireland, and before I went to Ireland, my blood pressure was starting to spike to like, you know, it was like 170 something over 110. I was getting all these, I have no idea what was happening. Um, my, my, my dad died of a massive heart attack in his sleep when he's 42. Um, I'm getting ready to turn 38 in August. Uh, his dad died of bone cancer when he was 54, and, and I'm starting to go like, what is going on with my body? My emotions are all over the place. We moved to Nashville almost four and a half years ago, and Nashville is a hard city to play in a church in. Can I tell you that? Any city is a hard city to play in a church in, but Nashville is especially hard because it's like the most consumeristic Christianity city that you can ever be a part of to a certain degree. It's a great city. It's got great people, but it's also a very hard city to, to play in. We moved there. We knew one college student. That's why we've been able to reach so many college students, but, we, but, it, but it was the hardest thing that I've ever been through in my life, and then on top of that, my whole entire life, I've tried to perform. I've, I've tried to be looking for applause because I didn't, my, my dad that died of a massive heart attack in his sleep when he was 42 years old, I didn't really know him that well. He was in and out of my life when it was convenient for him. He was, he was cool dad. But, but then when it wasn't convenient for him, he was just like, eh, I'm non-existent. So I'm not coming to see this. I'm not coming to see that. And so men that, that don't grow up with fathers to validate them, to say, you're doing a great job, look at you go, son, then they begin to look for applause and other things, whether it be drugs, whether it be sex, whether it be production at the job. And so 
my whole entire life, I felt like I had to perform. I was the only kid in my whole entire family to get a full ride to college. And then I graduate college and I get my first job in ministry and it goes well. And then I get another job in ministry and then I get another job in ministry. And there's a lot of things that were just, you know, going for some success. And, and, and then we get to Nashville and it's this hard grind. And, and I've just, then, and, and then one night, all of a sudden, it was just like there was a balloon that was in my chest and it it just kept getting filled and filled and filled and filled and filled. And what happens when you start to blow up a balloon and, and it just gets filled and filled and filled and filled and you don't ever go, <laughs> boom, it pops. My son, my four-year-old son, fell in the bathtub, and he cut his chin open. And they were going to the hospital to get stitches. I was there with the other two. And it was like that night, something just popped. I, I couldn't even stay awake for them to, to come home from the ER. I was totally debil debilitated. I, I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to preach I, I didn't want to even put my kids to bed. All I wanted to do was just lay down on the couch. I felt horrible physically. I went to the doctor. My, my, my cortisol levels and all these other things were just so up because I was so stressed out. I was having anxiety. And then the next thing you know, it led me to, to, to having depression and all of this other stuff. And I was burnt out. And I had a decision to make. Was I going to stay in that anxiety? Was I going to stay in that stress? Or was I really going to believe what the Bible says? Was I really going to just turn to God? And this, in times like this, this is where faith gets real. Because it's one thing just to come to church and it's one thing just to, 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 to read the Bible and it's one thing just to go to a small group. It's another thing when you're literally on the floor not wanting to do anything and you're thinking, what have I done? Like, what is going on? Why don't I want to do anything? Why am I like this right now? I'm totally depressed. I'm, I've got all this anxiety. Like, what is going on physically, God? Why, why is this happening to me? I mean, I run half marathons. I work out all the time. What in the world is going Going on. Can I tell you something? God doesn't owe you anything. He doesn't owe you anything for your sacrifice. Sometimes that's the way I would feel. Don't, don't God, don't you see what I'm doing for you? I don't deserve this. And so what do you do in those moments? How am I setting, or standing here preaching to you today? Because there was a time where I didn't know if I would even do this again. You go to the word. You begin to declare truth over your life. Because here's the deal. 
There is a rodeo clown out there. There is this rodeo clown. See, we're going to get to the end of our lives one day. We're going to look at Satan and we're going to be like, that, that was you? That's you? Are you kidding me? Like, you, you're the one that caused all this in my life. You were the one that was whispering these things in my life. You were the one that was bringing all of this stuff into my life. And, and I'm not saying that every little thing is spiritual warfare, like whether you get a, a, the right parking space at Walmart, you, you know. I don't really think that God blesses you with parking spaces. Can I just say that? Like, I just think that's bad theology, right? It's just like, oh, I was so favored at the grocery store. I pulled up right there. That was my parking spot right there. Look at God. I love you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for my parking spot. I don't think he cares about your parking spot. He's like, some of you need some exercise. Walk. That may be the best thing for you, and you may get favored when you walk a little bit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I do think that we have to go to the Word of God and really declare the favor of God over ourselves. We've got to, 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 to when we get into moments like that, we've got to realize that there is a rodeo clown that's out there, and he's trying to distract you from everything else in life, right? Like that's what the clown does. It tries to distract the bull. It tries to distract all these other things. And you've got so many distractions over there going through your head every single day. And especially your self-talk. I've been reading through the book of Proverbs and it's an awesome book. And I try to read one chapter every single day. And it's amazing how many times when you open up the book of Proverbs, it talks about in so many chapters the things that you speak over your life the words that you declare out loud on a daily basis because here's the thing you and I are made with a negative bent in a sinful world whether we realize that or not it's not the original design of God right the original design of God is life. But then sin comes in and it begins to taint and we have a negative worldview. That's why 70 to 90% of all the thoughts that you think about yourself and others are negative. Are mostly negative. And so we've got to go to the Bible, and when it says that you need to declare life-giving words, it's not just over your spouse, it's not just over your kids, because some of us are great about declaring life-giving thoughts over others, right? But then what are the thoughts when you look in the mirror? Man, I hate that about myself. I'm too fat. I'm too ugly. I'm too skinny. I'm too short. Can I get an amen? Come on. <laughs> At any time of the message, you can just say, preach it, short white man, okay? Um. <laughs> or then you hear the negativity that somebody else spoke around you or against you or in your head. And, and, and you're reliving a negative thought from 10 years ago. 
And then we wonder why our world looks the way it does. When we have a God that says, no, speak life over not just others, but yourself. And so, see, that's what I had to do. I had to start declaring some things over my life. And so I, I want I to tell you seven things that I declared over my life during that season that allowed me to be here preaching to you this morning, okay? And, and so the, the first one is this. I am greatly loved. Just say that to your, to your neighbor. Just say, I am greatly loved. I am greatly loved. See, I, I went through a season where, where I was doubting, am I really even loved by God? Am, am I really loved by my kids? Am I really loved by my wife? Am I really loved by my friends? Does anybody love me? Can somebody give me somebody to love, right? You know, whatever that is. Like, like, like can somebody love me? Is anybody going to love me? And see, here's what you need to know. Anytime, especially as a believer, that you don't feel greatly loved, that is not from God. Listen to what God says about you. Psalms 86, 13 is from the Passion Translation, which I highly recommend getting that Bible if you, if you don't have it. It's an amazing translation. You love me so much and you place your greatness upon me. And you rescued me from the deepest place of darkness, and you have delivered me from certain death. John 3, 16, for this is how much God loved the world, which is you. He gave his one and only unique son as a gift, so now everyone who believes in him will never perish but have everlasting life, experiencing everlasting life. Romans 5, 8, but Christ proved God's passionate love. It's a passionate love for you. That's why we call it the passion of the Christ when he died on the cross because it was all of God's passion poured out for you. The next time that you don't think anybody loves you, think about this. Has anybody ever died for you? There's one that did. His name is Jesus. That's how much he loves you. That's how much God cares about you. You are greatly loved. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16 says, We have come into an intimate experience with God's love, and we trust in the love he has for us. God is love. Those who are living in love are living in God. The Father loves you. And the Father wants to give you four things. He wants to give you his love. He wants to give you identity. He wants to give you pleasure. And he wants to give you a place. When you embrace being greatly loved by God, then that means that you will have love and give love and receive love. When you realize that you are greatly loved, then you will be okay with who you are. You will have an identity that does not come from somebody else that says this and this and this about you. You will have an identity that comes from your Abba Father that says, I love you.
Some people say, I want to hear from God. I want to hear from God. I want to hear from God. And I really went to the season where I'm like, okay, God, I need to hear from you. I need to hear your voice. You know, one of the number one things that he's going to tell you, one of the number one things that he told me during this season over and over again, I would look in the mirror and he'd go, I love you, Josh. I'd be walking down the street. He'd go, I love you, Josh. I, I, I'd, be, I'd be doing going in the grocery store. I, I, I love you, Josh. I think about it as my own kids, right? One of the number one things that I want to tell them all time, all the time is I love you. Daddy loves you. It, it, it's not condemnation. Some of us think, well, God just wants to condemn me. The Holy Spirit convicts you. He will never condemn you. If you are hearing a condemning voice in your head, that is not from God. That is from the rodeo clown. The Holy Spirit, the Father will convict and discipline, but never condemn. Because he loves you. What would happen if you would get up in the morning and declare, I am greatly loved. I am greatly loved by God. I'm greatly loved by my father, who, my, who is my Abba. I am greatly loved by you, God. I am greatly loved by Jesus. He died for me. I am greatly loved by the Holy Spirit. I am greatly loved by my spouse. I am greatly loved by my kids. I am greatly loved by my family. I am greatly loved by my friends. I am greatly loved by my church. How would your world change? It's one of the number one things you got to start with. I am greatly loved. The second thing that I had to declare for myself is faith always finds a way. Faith will always find a way. When you believe that, when you believe no matter what my circumstance looks like today, faith will find a way. No matter how depressed, no matter how much anxiety I have, I have faith that will find a way. There is no darkness that is too dark for me and for my God to deliver me from because I have faith and it will find a way through this darkness. Amen? Some of you have been bought a lie in this society. I meet Christians who say, oh, well, I'm just always going to be depressed. I'm just always going to have anxiety in my life. I'm like, who told you that? What rodeo clown is in your life trying to distract you from the truth that when we sing things like, I'm going to lift my hands because I'm going to live from a place of freedom for whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Amen. Come on. I didn't sit around and just be like, okay, well, I'm just going to be like this for the rest of my life. No, no, no. I refuse to do that because when I read the Bible, I read of a God who came to give me life and life to the full. And that doesn't mean that Jesus didn't say that take heart because there is trouble in this world. But take heart because what? I overcome the world. So you're going to go through darkness. You're going to go through some times of depression. You're going to go through some times of anxiety. You're going to go through some times of burnout. But then when you say, but faith will find a way out of this darkness, then that is when God sweeps in and he begins to show you the light. 
How many times have you read the Psalms and you're just like, whoa, David, come on, hold up, boy. Like, I've never prayed for God to, like, smite my enemy. David did. It's like, dang. Every single day during that time, I would read the Psalms. If you're going through a time of depression, anxiety, you need healing, whatever that is, you need to go to the book of Psalms. And you need to dig in because you will see a man who is, the Bible says, is a man after God's own heart who went through some of the darkest times but also knew that faith would always find a way. Hebrews 11.1, now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things that we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. So there were days when I still felt depressed, but I decided in my spirit that I was going to act the way I want to feel. And it wasn't me just putting on an act like, oh, well, you're just putting on an act. You're just putting on a mask because you just believe that you're, you're really depressed and all this other stuff. And, and, but, but no, I go, no, 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 no. See, that, that's like so much warfare that's going on. The real me is not like the depressed, anxiety-ridden person. The real me is what God has planted inside of me, his life, his joy, his peace, his fruit, his righteousness, all of the fruits of the Spirit. Because I've been made a new creation. A new creation in Christ Jesus. Do we believe that we are new creations or are we still going to go back to the old way in the world that says, no, you're going to live this, 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 this. Faith will always find a way. See, with this mentality, you can go into tomorrow and you can believe that with faith there are no dead ends because God will always guide you into a way through. If you're taking notes, write that down. I can walk into tomorrow and believe that there are no dead ends. You are not stuck. Because God will always guide me to a way through. The Israelites had to be like, we're going to walk through what, Moses? I don't know if you see this water right here, but it looks impossible. And what did God do? He said, faith always finds a way through. So when you get to your Red Sea that you don't think can be parted, then you watch God begin to put the staff down to the ground and begin to part the waters. And you walk through the other side unharmed. Amen? But you got to have faith. Because faith will always find a way through. Declare that over your situation and see what God will do. The third thing I had to do is I had to learn to be quick to say, yeah, but I forgive them. Ooh. Yeah. I know they did that to me. I know they said that. I know they, 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 they treated me that, that way. but I forgive him. Yeah, I, I know that my dad never came to any play that I was in. I, I know that he never came to any wrestling match or sports or anything else that, that I ever did in high school. I know he lied to me, but I forgive him. One of the things that God taught me was that 
I, I, I can't have a hatred for my parent. Some of you, you have a strained relationship with your parent and you have not shown them any honor. And the way that I used to talk about my, my dad was kind of like he was just like deadbeat because he had a lot of problems in his life. But then I realized something, his DNA is in me. So when I dishonor my father, then I'm really dishonoring myself. And so even though he did some of those things, then guess what? I still have to say, yeah, but I forgive him. And now I, I want to have a posture of, of honor as much as I can. See, see, there's some people in your life, like a parent, and, 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 and it's funny that the Bible talks about, like, it's really the only command that, that has a, a promise with it, you know, that if we will honor our fathers and mothers, then you will live a long life, it says. I don't know necessarily if that means in years, but, but what if that just means in, like, joy, in happiness, in righteousness, in peace? Maybe there's some things going on in your life that you're dishonoring towards your parents and you need to go, no, I'm not going to be dishonoring. I know they did that, but I forgive them anyways. Maybe there's a spouse that did that, but you forgive them anyways. There's that friend that stabbed you in the back. Yeah, they did that but I forgive them anyways. When Jesus says you should forgive 77 times, he wasn't talking about an exact number. He was talking about an exaggeration. It was an exaggeration. 77 times. The heart of the Father is forgiveness toward you, toward me. So how can we cling to love God if we will not forgive our brothers and our sisters? We need to declare that over our lives. Yeah, but I forgive them. When I was on my sabbatical, I, I went to this thing and I was so excited about it and I got there and I left and I left feeling like a piece of poo. Like literally. It was awful. I was like, more depressed, more anxiety-ridden. It was supposed to be this great retreat that I was supposed to go on, but there were some guys there that just made me feel awful. And some of it was on me because I was kind of not in the right headspace going into it, and then some of it was, was on the organization. But as I was getting ready to fly back home to Nashville, God gave me that word. Yeah, they did that, Josh, but just forgive them anyways. I said, I got to declare that over every single part of my life where I have bitterness and hurt and I want to have resentment and all of those things. How about you? Because see, here's what I know. You're either getting bitter or you're getting better. Every day you live. And if you live with unforgiveness in your heart, then you're not going to get better. You're going to get bitter. How people know some people like that? You're like, man, that person is bitter. And there's a reason why they ain't got no friends. Because every time you get around them, they're just like, ah, please. I sense your bitterness coming. Bitterness radar. Here it is. Let's go. That's you. 
And, but then you see those other people that you go, you know what, they had every right to be bitter. But they instead decided that they would get better. And, and, and you want to be around those people, right? Why? Because they've probably practiced this. Yeah, they did that. But I forgive them anyways. Mark 11, verse 25, and whenever you stand praying, if you find that you carry something in your heart against another person, release him, release her, and forgive him, forgive her, so that your Father in heaven will also release you and forgive you of your faults. I wonder what would happen if you would start to declare that over your life. Yeah, I know they did that to me. But I forgive them anyways. Get that person in your mind right now. And just say that. I know they did that. But I forgive them anyways. Release them. Because what's so good is forgiveness is normally not even about the other person. It's about you. So do you want to stay locked up in a cage of unforgiveness? Or do you want to walk free? Walk free. Declare that over your life. The fourth thing I had to say is my father is famous for his kindness to heal. Luke chapter 6 verse 35. My father is famous for his kindness to heal. You may have physical ailments right now going on. You may have mental, uh, you know, anxiety, depression, all of those things. Whatever it is going on in your life, you need to declare that over yourself and over other people. My father is famous for his kindness to heal. If so much of Jesus's ministry was a healing ministry, then what makes us think that that's not still relevant today? Right? Oh, healing stopped when Jesus went to heaven. What? Are you crazy? Like, like, no, 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 no. Like, our father is famous for his kindness to heal. He is famous for his kindness to heal. That's why I refuse just to believe, oh, I'm just going to stay like this, right? No, the father is famous for his kindness to heal, and he always heals. He always heals. Ultimately, even if, a, even if it was to end up in a death, like, like my grandfather, when he died at 54, he was a, he was a, he was a pastor. He, he was doing amazing things for God. And he spent the last 12 years of his life inflicted with bone cancer until finally Jesus called him up to heaven. And I could look at that and I could go, oh, you didn't heal my granddad. Or I can go, no, he received his ultimate healing. Because now he's with the Father. Now he's with the Father. But Jesus is always healing. One way or another. But that doesn't mean that just because he didn't heal him miraculously right here, that we'd never stop praying for his healing. Because we believe that we have a father that is famous to heal. And so there were days where I was like, God, I don't know what's going on with my body. My body is whacked out right now. 
I got chest pains. I got like all this stuff going on. And you know what? Every single doctor I went to, it would be like, oh, you're perfectly fine with this and this and this. And, and, my, and, and by, the, by the time my sabbatical was over that I took, because I ended up taking about a, a, a six-week sabbatical, all of my levels have returned right back to normal. And you know why I believe that that was happening? Because I declared this over my life every day. That, Father, you are famous for your kindness to heal my life, to heal my mental anxiety, to heal all of these other things. You're famous to heal. So you've got to declare that over your life. The, the next thing I had to declare is, hey, Josh, walk in grace. Now, here's the thing about grace, okay? Sometimes you're good at giving grace to others, but what about giving grace to you? Right? You're like, oh, well, I'll excuse that person. I mean, because they're just going through a rough time, all these other things. But then you go stand in front of the mirror, and you're like, you're awful. Like, look at you. I can't believe you did that today. I can't believe you thought that. Like, we're still struggling with this. We're still having to go through this. Like, why can't you just get your act together? And that does not come from the voice of God. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. You know, you're never going to attain perfection on this side of heaven. That's why there's grace for you. But listen to what the word of God says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 9. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to relieve me of this. God, will you take this from me? Like, why am I still dealing with this? But he answered me, my grace is always, everybody say always, always. more than enough for you. And my power finds its full expression through your weakness. So I will celebrate my weaknesses, for when I am weak, I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ that is living in me. I've got to accept grace. Come on. Like, yes, this is a weakness in my life. But guess what? When I am weak, then he is strong. That is what I experienced so many days in this journey. And even afterwards, I got up this morning and some of the confidence that I had, right? Before this season, I'm like, man, I, got, I don't know. Can I really do this? Can I do, you know, and everything? And he's like, hey, um, Josh, remember? Like, when, when you're weak, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, like, it actually empowers you more. You know, we live in a society that's so afraid to be vulnerable. So afraid to go, this is a weakness. And you know, it's actually the weakness of that. Because there's so many studies that show actually when you're vulnerable, that then you become strong. So there's all these self-help gurus out there that are just declaring what Paul wrote years and years and years and years and years ago about the power of vulnerability. Walk in grace for yourself. Declare 
when you make a mistake, grace. When you still have that thought, grace. When you're still struggling with that, grace. That doesn't mean we stay in it, but grace. 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 Not grace for just others, but grace for me. Two more. I had to declare that God, I will live from your hands. Live from his hands. Everybody just take your hands out and do this for a moment. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to maybe close your eyes for just a second, and I want you to imagine you in God's hands. He's got big hands. Even you right now where you are. You may be a 45-year-old grown man. You grown. Look at you. Humble yourself and just go, I want to live from your hands. It's like you called a little bird. That's what I had to start doing. I had to start imagining that, God, I just want to live from your hands. I just want to live from your hands because your hands give me the providence that I need. Your hands give me the strength that I need. Your hands, I will live from your hands, your big hands that carved out the galaxies, the world, that create life every single day. Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. With all of your heart, rely on him to guide you and he will lead you in every decision that you make. So you can just jump into his hands and you can live from his hands. When I realize whose hands I'm really living in, the God of the universe, then my anxiety and stress begins to go way down. Because I realize it's not dependent on me. Person that just lost your job in here, or you're going through a financial crisis right now, live from his hands. Believe he's got you. He's got you. Person that is having so hard of a time just trusting God. He's got you. His hands are big. Live from his hands. Declare that. If you got up tomorrow morning and you just declared, because I don't care if you declare all seven things uh, that I'm throwing up on the screen, or if you just declare one, God just sent me here today to give you a word to declare something over your life besides what the rodeo clown is trying to declare over you. Because there's so many people and there's so many things and there's so many, uh, there's so much of the enemy that's trying to declare stuff over you and you've got to declare the truth over your life. Which leads me to my last point. And the last thing that I would declare over myself. Because it was this time where I just, like I said, I was burnt out. I was depleted. And within that, I started losing my sense of purpose. What am I here for? What am I doing? Do I even want a pastor anymore? What's going on, God? 
I had to go to the word. And I had to hear him in Romans 8, chapter, verse uh, 8, sorry, chapter 8, verse 28. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan. God's perfect plan. Say God's perfect plan. So that means that he has a plan bringing good into our lives for we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill and his designed purpose. It says that he has a perfect plan and a designed purpose for you. Can, 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 can somebody just accept that for, for, for yourself right now? Like, like you, God has a plan, a perfect plan and a designed purpose for who? You. Like, 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 just point to yourself right now. Just go ahead. Put a finger on your chest right there. There you go. Come on, come on, come on. I know, I know you're like, I look ridiculous. It doesn't matter. I have purpose. I have a plan. There is purpose in your life. There is a plan for you. Like God designed it. You're not just aimlessly wondering. Like you need to lean into it. You need to find it. That's why you've got to come to church. That's why you've got to get involved in a small group. That's why you've got to get into the word. That's why you've got to listen to his voice and go, what is my purpose? What am I here for? And he says to, to reflect me in everything that I am to bring love, to bring hope to this world. See, now that I, see, I used to teach on anxiety and depression, and I, I, I knew about it clinically, but I never knew about it experientially. See, now any of you that come up to me and you go, man, I've been dealing with that, Pastor Josh, I can sit there and go, yeah, I know exactly what it is like to feel like the rodeo clown is trying to tell you that you have no purpose, that you should just end your life. Because those thoughts were in my brain. Now I get up and I have a mission. The reason why I came from Nashville, Tennessee is yes, I want to hang out with Pastor Daniel because he's awesome. <laughs> but more so than that, now I get up with purpose in even a way that I didn't even have it before to sit there and tell you, God sent me here to tell you that there is Hope in the midst of your darkest night. And that I will get up every single morning wanting to fight off any darkness that comes my way, wanting to fight off any rodeo clown that is declaring other things that are complete lies in my life. And I will declare the truth of going, no, 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 no. I'm going to tell everybody, let's get up. Let's go into St. Louis. Let's go into our workplaces. Let's go into our college campuses. Let's go into our schools. Let's go into every area, every corner of the earth and go, there is a God that will give you purpose, that will give you hope, that greatly loves you, that you can have your faith in and it will find a way through this darkness. You don't have to live like this anymore. There's freedom for you. There's freedom. There's freedom. Do we believe it, church? Do we really believe it? Do we really believe it? Do we really want to spend 
our lives for something so great. Like that's why when we have to share this, that's why we have to get out of ourselves and just begin to go, this is what you have released me from. And I want to spend the rest of my life fighting off darkness. Not only in me, but in others. Because it's all around me. As I close this morning, I want you to close your eyes for just a moment. I want you to think about this America, this great country that we live in. Has the highest amount of antidepressants, drugs prescribed than any other country in the world. And I'm a fan of getting help if you need it, even on medication, because I think that God can use it. But I do not believe it is reality that we accept that I'm going to be taking a pill every single day for the rest of my life for this. And I know that that's a touchy subject for some people. But I believe that God can free you because I see that in my own life. And I'm living it. but it's going to take you declaring some things over your life. So right now, I just want you to declare this right there where you are. I am greatly loved. Faith will always find a way. Get that person in your head and say, yeah, but I forgive them anyway. Declare my father is famous to heal me. Declare that I will walk in grace. I will live from his hands. And I am purposed. I am destined. Maybe today's a day where you say, wow, I didn't know I was believing all these lies. I didn't know this rodeo clown has affected me so much, distracted me. And if that's you, I just want you to, to pray this with me. Say, say, God, you can say this to yourself. You can say it out loud, whatever you need to, but just say, God, I'm coming home to you. Dad, I'm coming home to you. I'm running to your arms. The place you've always created me to be. I want to live from your hands and not my own anymore. I realize that you've, you've purposed me. You have a plan for me. For some of you, you go, if that is God, if he can really free me and bring freedom, if I really am greatly loved, if I really am 
if I do have a purpose and a plan, like I want to give my life to that. I want to give my life. See, God sent me here this Sunday to be a hope dealer. <laughs> and to bring some hope. And say, God, use me to deal some hope tomorrow at work. Use me to deal some hope. In the grocery store. Use me. Use me. And then if you're here today and you need that love, that freedom, Jesus is the only one that can bring you freedom. As he has gathered me into his arms more and more and more than he ever has in my life, he told me I don't have to live for the applause of any other man. because he has totally accepted me. Do you feel like you have to perform to be loved? To do, to be loved? You don't have to. You can drop the act and just be and come to the Father today. Maybe you need to come to the Father for the first time. And would you just say, Father? I'm coming home. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. I give my life to your hope. I give my life to your freedom. Give my life to your love. I give my life to your hope. I surrender all. I believe that you died on the cross for me because you love me and you love humanity. And I want to chase after you all the days of my life from this moment on. If you said that prayer, we just raise your hand. Come on, just raise your hand if you just said that prayer. Come on, come on. Amen, 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 amen. Seal us with your love. Seal us with your hope today.